Welcome in to 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you. And you know, in some other years, a late season win against the Los Angeles Dodgers on the road might be uh, worthy of a full game breakdown, but uh, I'm not going to do that. And you all know why, right? These games have been uh bizarre in fact i wrote a whole article about how it these are some of the weirdest games i've I've ever watched since i've been doing this everything about it feels and just is strange surely there you know there have been plenty of other seasons where the rockies have been out of it at the end of the year but they're usually not playing the the team with you know the best record or whatever it is and and certainly not in six games in a row and not when both have been so far out of it for so long and there really just isn't, you know, from a standings point of view, there, there's, there's nothing from the outcomes of these games that quote-unquote matters in the grand scheme of things, right? But I did write about a number of things that do matter going on in these games, most especially, you know, the play of the young players. That's the most obvious one where as much as it can be tough for us to watch them and when they lose 10-1, to 1, they certainly don't make it any easier. But every at-bat, that Ezekiel Tovar is taking every at bat that Michael Tolia or Elijes Montero are taking. These are all really important for them and for their value. You know, or I've talked about guys in the bullpen like Jake Bird and Justin Lawrence and maybe Gavin Holloway, though that's yeah. Uh, look, you know, or, or auditioning for next season for guys like Denelson Lamette. You know, all of that is going... So for them, it obviously matters, right? Some of these guys are fighting for jobs. Some of them are fighting to just take that next step in their careers or to prove that they can hang. Or they're just learning right now. You're, you're drinking in as much information as you possibly can, especially when you're playing a team as quality as the Dodgers. But <laughs> I'm still not going to break the baseball game down as... Fun as it was to see them finally not lose, uh, I want to focus in on one particular performance and basically get a jump start on uh, what is almost always a series of off-season think pieces on individual players, right? You start breaking down, uh, especially key players for potentially next season, whatever went on this year, and those of you that watched the game will not be at all shocked to know that I want to focus on Daniel Bard today because... Bard has maybe had the best season of any National League reliever. He's been right up there amongst the best seasons uh, by any reliever this year. And I feel like very, very quietly so. You know, instead of there, I feel like there was more talk about the fact that, or the fact that, the the, the belief that uh, he should have been traded, right? A lot of people believing that he should have been traded at the deadline and then using the fact that he and Crone and others weren't as, uh, you know, more evidence to the Rockies not doing good things. <laughs> and, and fair enough to some extent, you can go back and listen to my show right after the deadline. And there was some conversation certainly i talked about him being snubbed for the all-star game at the time but there certainly wasn't really an outrage right i didn't see a lot of people going hey what about this guy there just really hasn't been a, na- a national highlight on daniel bard this year except for when everyone wanted him traded then there was national highlight but right now what do we have and this is really fascinating to me because it's exhibit 5372 of just they're not being 
that opposite side of the whole Coors Field conversation, right? Because what Daniel Bard is doing is impressive before you think about the Coors Field stuff. Before you get into that entire quagmire of a conversation, leaving all of that out, at 37 years of age, Daniel Bard has pitched in 59.1 innings of work, right? So that's 56 baseball games this year. He's recorded 33 saves and blown just three. That's a save percentage of 91.7%. He is sporting an earned run average of 182. That's insane, of course. He has struck out 69 batters and walked 25. So then we get into the ERA+. plus. Right? Y'all know I love me some ERA+. Plus. Uh, the, the park-adjusted number. Remembering again, and I know most people listening to this, but I just have to say it out loud because that 100 is league average. You know, if you're at 150, you're 50% better than the league average, and that's usually a demarcation zone for being elite in most of these. You got an OPS plus of 150 or above, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, Corbin Burns led... Major League Baseball is a starter with an ERA plus last year of 178. That's monster number, right? Now, it's a little easier to compile in a shorter time frame, uh, which is always the case for relievers if you're elite. However, Daniel Bard's ERA plus is 255. 255. That is up there. Uh, I think, now I'd have to go back, it's it's right, and, and he may pitch a, a, again a little bit, but that, he's getting close to the record. I'm going to go, actually, as I'm talking, I'm going to bring up uh, Gabe White and Adam Ottavino and Manny Corpus and, and these guys, right? Because, uh, so Gabe White had that monster season in uh, 2000, and I, I was pretty sure that this was the record. Yeah, this is the Rockies record for ERA+. Plus. He did it in 83 innings, and he had an ERA plus of 268. But he only picked up five saves. He wasn't the closer on that team. He was an absolute wipeout, shutdown, setup guy. But he wasn't the closer, right? So Daniel Bard with his 255, but also the 33 saves, and obviously he would have quite a few more if the team was better. And he would also have more innings pitched if the team was better and all that stuff, right? It's really, there are a lot of reasons why this has been a disappointing and frustrating season for the Colorado Rockies and their fans, right? But one of them, (laughs) one of the many is that it's too bad that it undercut what could have been a truly all-time great See, and it is a tr- it's an all time great season. This is up there with like what Scott Oberg did in 2019, what Adam Ottavino did in is it also 19? Yeah, um, what uh, th- there are a couple of like I mentioned the Manny Corpus season. I can bring that one up really quick to to double check on that. Now that one comes with obviously the added benefit of the fact that those games mattered so much, and he he continued his domination on through uh, the postseason. Right, so in 2007, though Manny Corpus, and and we remember this right, but he had a 208 ERA, 78 innings pitched, 19 saves because he took over halfway through the year for Brian Fuentes, but an ERA plus 232. So not quite as dominant 
at what da- as what Daniel Bart. This is how good Daniel. This is why I got to do a whole podcast about this. And I spoke with him on their last day in town. I'm gonna I'm gonna do an article about it. Uh, he's always really really gracious with his time and all of that. But th- that's why I, I I feel like I need to come on here and and actually legitimately hype this a little bit because. 182 ERA is obviously phenomenal in and of itself, but the more impressive thing is when you start looking at it in historical context and context with the rest of the league and context with the ballpark and go, this has been one of the best relief pitching seasons in Rockies history, and it's been certainly one of the best relief pitching seasons this year. If the if the team had just been better and he could have racked up 10 more saves, uh, he'd be far and away the best reliever in baseball this year, right? But as it stands, there are a few other people with arguments uh, to the case. The best one is actually over in the American League. So we can start with Emmanuel Classe of Cleveland, who has 41 saves on the year. That paces Major League Baseball. Uh, Rockies record is 42. Uh, at 71.2 innings pitched. So considerably more innings pitched, Right. He has a lower strikeout rate than does Bard, but he also has a much lower walk rate. In fact, he's walk, his walk rate isn't, he doesn't walk anybody. 126 per nine. That's remarkable. And if and if I could choose, that's probably still the guy you'd most like to have out there. The ERA is 138, right? So his, his raw ERA is, I don't know, quite a bit. Lower than Daniel Bars, 138 to 182, but it's it's certainly, it is lower. Uh, and the ERA plus is also a monster number of 278. So uh, again, when, when you're doing all those adjustments and whatnot, over in the American League, I think you can make the conversation that, yeah, uh, Class A is also having an historically great season. Uh, other than not striking out guys at, at quite as high a clip, uh, one less batter per nine innings. Uh, he's just been absolutely remarkable. So in the American League, he's been the best reliever, and probably in all of baseball, he's been the best reliever. But the, one of the other players, so if we're going down the list now in terms of just saves, right, who is ahead of Daniel Bard in the National League, there's only two players. So despite the fact that the number of saves is really the, the worst thing on the resume this season, and he's picked up most most of the ones that he could as we've talked about uh daniel bard still ranks sixth in major league baseball and third in the national league right so it's still been that good but so first in the national league and saves at 40 is kenley jansen for atlanta 63 innings pitched so a few more than bard but not 10 12 the way class a had uh you've got he's at like four more innings pitched uh strikeouts are about the same a little bit less the walks a little bit uh a little bit less also i'm sorry his strikeouts are a little bit more kenley jansen has actually uh been the best strikeout artist of all the people in the conversation today at 11.86 per nine but the walk rate 314 very similar to daniels bard's 10.4 and and 3.7 they're about in the same category the big difference of course being that kenley jansen's era is 343 and you may note that 343 is considerably loftier of an ERA than 182. Of course, let's do the adjustments. ERA plus 120. So not even close to the 255 
the Daniel Bard or the 260 whatever that are 270 non- nonsense. I saw also that Emmanuel Classe had like a 300 ERA plus last year. Like, goodness gracious. Uh, that guy's got wicked stuff. I don't know how much y'all watch him pitch. It's, it's It moves, I'll tell you that much. But it, he's insane, right? But... Jansen's been able to pick up a whole bunch of saves because the team's been really good because he's got some pretty fantastic defense behind him. And, you know, the the number of runs that he's given up throughout the year haven't ended up costing that team a ton. But you, you really can't make the case that in any way other than having a few more saves and a few more innings pitched, he's been any better than Daniel Bard. And that's entirely circumstantial, right? The, I mean, the 343 ERA, not even close, not even close. So who's the other person that has more saves than John? Or the, oh, I gave it away. Than Daniel Bard. <laughs> I said the name because I was looking at it. I was, I was doing a big buildup. But who's the other guy? Because this really makes the point. Because Jansen's still at 343. Not great, but for your closer who's picked up a bunch of saves, you absolutely live with that. But the only other guy in the National League with more saves than Daniel Bard is Josh Hader. Believe it or not. <laughs> considering how bad he's been since getting traded from Milwaukee to San Diego. So he's got 35 saves, two more than Bard's 33. He's only pitched 49.1 innings because as of late, he hasn't been good enough to be getting out there as much. They've been kind of staying away. Now, his his strikeout numbers are absurd. But as I said, he, he's not really in this conversation for, for best reliever of the year because, okay, 14.59, he's always been able to strike dudes out. He's also almost walking four per, but... A 5.29 ERA. A 5.29 ERA for Josh Hader. So that very much goes to the point that saves are nice, but they aren't necessarily an indication that you've had a good season or that you're pitching well. Josh Hader's total ERA plus on the season is 75. Four. So he hasn't just been, oh, well, you know, he's picked up some saves, but, you know, like, again, with, with Jensen, it was the case that the saves a little bit belie the fact that he's only been better than most relievers, but not elite elite. But Josh Hader hasn't even, he's been worse than most relievers. At 74, he's been considerably below the league average. And since being traded to the San Diego Padres, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, anyone and everyone in between and children of all ages, Josh Hader has a 50 ERA plus. A 763 ERA, those are some of the worst marks in all of baseball. And so I say to you, class, Daniel Bard has been the best reliever in the National League comfortably. In fact, he's been the second best reliever in Major League Baseball, and the only reason that's not first is because of Emmanuel Classe. There is one other guy who is in this conversation, though. As much as I hate to give credit to the stinking Mets. (laughs) Uh, And the trumpet thing has been absolutely fun, but Edwin Diaz is the guy who's probably going to end up Uh, No, I don't think there's an award. There's probably some award. There's an award for everything these days. uh, For reliever of the year. There's got to (laughs) be. This is not one that anybody ever talks about. Nobody really cares. And he's been fantastic as well. And you've got to cross-apply that 
uh, same logic, where he doesn't have as many saves. He's only got 31. So he's two under Daniel Bard even. Uh, but the 134 ERA is ridiculous. The 17.36 strikeouts per nine is out of this world. Uh, and, and the walk rate is low. And so he's actually the leader if you're into wins above replacement for relief pitchers, which I'm really not. There's a lot of problems with doing wins above replacement for relief pitchers. But he's almost had a three-win season as a reliever. That that actually outdoes Clause A because of the... Now, I, I don't think these park adjustments are always, you know... We don't have time to get into all that right here, right now. We've talked about it before. We can talk about it again in the offseason about the shortcomings of these things and the fact that, you know, ERA plus doesn't account for certain factors. And, and the there is a pitching version of the uh, home road splits and the, the hangover effect, if you will. The big thing, I, I said I wasn't going to get into it. I'll, I'll do the, the quick version. I'll do the Reader's Digest version of it essentially right here, which is that contrary to popular belief, most great Rockies pitchers are actually better at home than they are on the road. And the way that OPS plus and ERA plus and these stats work, they don't really balance for the ballpark that you're in. They balance for the ballpark environment in general, which is a weird thing. And if you don't know what I mean, it can be difficult to explain. But essentially, you know, you don't get extra credit for the games you actually pitch at Coors Field, you get extra credit in general for having pitched at Coors Field. So if you're really dominant at home, you should get more points for that. The same way Rockies hitters, who if they can hit on the road, they should get more points for that. But they don't. That's not really the way the adjustments work. Uh, there are other statistics that are trying to do a better job of this for hitters there are things like drc plus and again i don't want to get too far into the weeds on all of that the fact is it can just be very difficult to measure how hard it is to go to and from coors field and having to change anything from your approach to your grip to your sight to your game plan uh all because the environments are going to be drastically different anywhere that you travel to is going to play quite a bit differently than your home park and it's one of the weird nuances of over the last 30 years of baseball out here, 95 plus percent of hitters are better at home. That's just, it's a measurable fact. There might, there might be individual seasons where like a Gerardo Parra here or a Brendan Rogers there last year, right? Jose Iglesias this year hit better on the road. And those are diamonds in the rough. They are some of the rarest things in all of baseball to see a Rockies hitter who has a better season on the road than at home. It's rare to see them have as good a season on the road than at home. But this is not true of Rockies pitching. Rockies pitching... Roughly half of these guys who are good. Now, we're not talking about the guys who totally burn out and, and, and they're gone or whatever. We're talking about the best of Rockies pitching over the years. Jorge De La Rosa being the obvious example of a guy who dominated at Coors Field and was okay on the road. Aaron Cook's splits were about even. Uh, you know, Pedro Astacio, great at Coors Field. John Gray was great at Coors Field. Kyle Freeland has better numbers at Coors Field. Marquez, it's the other way around. But 
you would think the consistency of the fact that it would be all Rockies pitchers would be better on the road than they are at home, but they're not. And because they're not, a lot of these statistics aren't capturing that element of it. The fact that essentially, if we're going to say, oh, well, Rockies hitters, every single time they step to the plate, we've got to detract this huge amount from their, you know, you, you all know what it is, whether it was Matt Holliday or Todd Helton or Larry Walker or Nolan Arenado or Charlie Blackman, right? There's always a ton of scrutiny on the hitting numbers, but that should apply to the visitors here as well. And if you do apply that to the visitors and you look at Daniel Bard's 182 ERA versus these guys who have 130 ERAs, it's hard for me to think that ERA plus is even fully accounting for the difference there, the difficulty. And that's before we even get to the difficulty of the mentality of having to pitch so many damned games at Coors Field where you're going to get punished, not even for pitching poorly. So to dominate in that environment is, and I think any analyst, if I was able to sit them down and get them to this point, would agree 100% with what I'm about to say, which is that it is the hardest job of all the closers in baseball. Daniel Bard has the hardest job. That's not really in dispute. Of the 30 guys whose job is full-time closer, right? Daniel Bard has the hardest job of any of them. You know, Edwin Diaz pitches in a very pitcher-friendly environment. Now, he pitches extraordinarily well, and it's not his fault. That shouldn't be held against him. But it's tough to hit homers there, and it doesn't give up a lot of cheap hits. It's built for pitching and always has been. Daniel Bard's got to deal with bloopers that become doubles, fly balls to left that end up as home runs off the end of the bat, uh, you know, all kinds of wacky nonsense, right? And so I think what tends to frustrate me about the conversation, most people will admit that, of course, that's true, but they won't really apply it to the conversation. Yes, Daniel Bard has the highest degree of difficulty of any closer in baseball. And then he's posting a 182 ERA. Is It's just incredible. It is absolutely mind-bogglingly incredible. And the fact that the team is bad has robbed him of several saves, but it almost makes it that much more impressive that he's been able to keep momentum and performance at an extraordinarily elite level, despite the fact that nothing else on the team has really been extraordinarily elite. Despite the fact that the rest of the bullpen around, especially once Tyler Kinley went down, the rest of the bullpen around him has been a disaster. So he's been the only guy that Bud Black could reliably call on. Carlos Estevez finished out very, very nicely, right? But, you know, in some other years, Brian Fuente is a perfect example. He still ended up having a great 2007. But part of the reason why was because Manny Corpus was there to be able to step in when he went through a bad week. And then Fuente is able to step back, come back in a new role, and then get himself back to be an elite level. Like Daniel Bard would never have had that, right? If he'd had a bad couple of weeks, but he would have just had to ride it out with him. There was nobody else to turn to. In fact, I remember early in the season, two of those three blown saves came within a couple of days of each other and he had had a bad year last year. So early in the year, there was conversation about they got to get Daniel Bard off of this team and out of the closer role and all that stuff. It's brutal out here. Tough job. And again, tougher for him than anyone else in the game. The fact that this guy wasn't even an all-star this year is very much the point. So I hope at the very least uh, some other folks out there and and around the league and more nationally will highlight that 
yes, Emmanuel Classe and Edwin Diaz have been truly and epically phenomenal. And they've been in situations that have really helped foster that phenomenal play. Or Daniel Bard has had to fight and claw and scratch through Coors Field and a bad team and no media coverage and no, you know, going viral with trumpets or any of that stuff. Guys just out there doing the work, man. Really doing the work. So, however else any anyone else feels about him, we all, at the very least, here in the local community, should give a big tip of the cap to Daniel Bard. And for all the things that he said to me that I'm going to write about, about wanting to come back next year, about believing in this team, about believing in the franchise, uh, and about wanting to be able to take them back to a place of relevancy, wanting to be a leader for this bullpen, you know, it's easy for people on the outside to roll their eyes at that stuff. But when you talk to this guy who's putting together a truly phenomenal season, despite the fact that very few people are noticing or caring about it, and you see his drive and his desire to get better and to make everyone around him better, it's got to be one of the very few things that the Rockies community can beam about right now is Daniel Bard. And he's worthy of being beamed about right now. So we'll see if he gets a, a couple more chances down. The, he may have gotten that two-inning save because it may have been the last time Buddy thought they were going to have a lead on the season, which it may well be. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, let me know your thoughts on, on Bardo and where you think it fits in terms of your all-time Colorado Rockies relief pitching seasons. Uh, how you rank them, uh, what you think about that. I'd be very curious to keep that conversation going on Twitter and in the Discord. Let me know how you feel about all that. Make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network and all the written content over at milehighsports.com. Other than that, I can only ever ask that you continue to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.